Man, the world's a crazy place. Michigan has sent its rebuttal to the allegations. They sent them to the Big Ten. I will tell you why they're full of crap. Also, Don Staley, good for her. The little scrappy coach of South Carolina wants for women her quote of brown and black skin to be treated equal but special. Shocker, and everybody except for me is afraid to take her on. She's full of crap, and I'm going to tell you why. Fran Fraschella and Danny Worf will join another loaded show here on Don't At Me as it starts right now. Morning and salutations. I'm sitting here with a belly full of city barbecue from last night, and I gotta tell you, I didn't have a drop of alcohol yesterday, and I'm feeling a little hungover. I had the meat sweats last night. I mean, city BQ was so good, I think I ate a little too fast. So we'll try to get through it, as you know, Gritty and the rest, Sean Van Pasterman. You know how I do. I sometimes have to get up and go potty. Well, maybe today. Look, Michigan. Michigan did what Michigan has to do. Now we've officially moved into the lawyering up stage. We went through the allegation stage into the we're going to leak stuff stage, and now we're into the lawyering up. Michigan, to protect Jim Harbaugh, is saying this. Look, hey, a lot of teams, a lot of teams in college football are stealing signs, including teams in the Big Ten stealing Michigan signs. How was Coach Harbaugh to know? How did he know? that Connor Stallions was stealing signs illegally. He couldn't know. Everybody does it. Well, that's crap. First, why do you hire Stallions? All you got to do, and I don't know what his job description is, but I'll guarantee you, I know Michigan is watching this show. I know this as fact. Uh, All you got to do, here's what you should do, Michigan. I'm going to give you some advice. People used to come to me for advice. Some of the most prominent basketball coaches in the country would call me and say, Dan, I got this deal. What do you think? I don't know how, but I just became that guy. I became Winston Wolf. Anyway, here's what I do with Michigan. You ready, Ward? I know you're watching. I know you got people watching. Here's what you do. You make damn sure that there are a number of things, if you haven't done this already, on Connor Stallion's job description. What was his job? What was he hired to do? What was the travel budgeted for, as Michigan has agreed that the story excuse me, that the story in the Washington Post was accurate. What was his job? What was he to do? Tell us. Hey, maybe he went outside his own boundaries. That's what you're going to have to paint. Now, Michigan is also alleging that the new, the new commish, Patini, doesn't have the jurisdiction to punish Harbaugh. Well, here's the deal with that. As you all know, my family is chock full of lawyers. We got lawyers coming out the Yang, whatever the Yang is. I just like saying those things. I just like saying Yang. But anyway, so I got lawyers and both my sister and my brothers being lawyers. Uh, The word from lawyers is this. Everything's ambiguous. Interpretation from the Big Ten and the NCAA and Michigan can all be different of whether or not Patini has the ability or the clearance to discipline Harbaugh. I call it moving beyond, let's just say no's. I say a lower part of my anatomy when I talk about moving beyond. But let's just say no's. Moving beyond our no's, let me tell you what's going to happen here. What's going to happen here is not that complicated. There's going to be continued leaks by Michigan, and Michigan's done a nice job. You see what they did. 
They said other schools were doing it. They came out in their response. Harbaugh didn't know. How was he to know? Because Michigan knew that other schools were doing it to them. So that's how you know Michigan was leaking all that stuff. And look, let's be honest here. There's nothing wrong with leaking stuff. Not a damn thing wrong. I was told yesterday by a very prominent Big Ten member that Michigan, they've got the goods on. That this, maybe end of this week, maybe next week, but soon it's going to come down and it's going to rain down hard on Michigan. People have a tendency to forget. We're still dealing, we being Michigan, I like calling myself a Michigan man because I ain't afraid to lie, cheat, and steal. And if I lie, cheat, and steal enough, this is why I like working for OutKick. They wouldn't give me an extension. But here's what I think is going to happen. All right, you ready? We've got three investigations ongoing. One, the sign stealing. We've been talking about that. Two, we've been talking about this. The ongoing FBI investigation into what? Huh? Cyber crimes. Now, that's a federal offense. You start hacking into other teams' computers as alleged to steal practice plans and to steal practice tape, as the offensive coordinator Michigan allegedly did, you got a problem, baby. You got a big problem. You may go to jail for doing that. The world today, and if you go back just, uh, I don't know, what was it, two months? Remember when MGM and a number of companies, including a major security company in this country, a friend of mine, the great Reggie Jones, works for him. Guess what? They all got shut down by what? Hackers. What'd they have to do? They paid ransom. You didn't hear about MGM paying ransom. I know one company paid $35 million to these pirates in ransom. They did. Say whatever you'd like. You only get this stuff here. You think you're getting this on GetUp? where Jeff Saturday's bouncing around, pancaking people? No. You get the goods here. So anyway, companies had to pay kidnapping fees for their computers being locked down, the MGM and its properties. You couldn't even put a key in. You couldn't put a key in to get in your room. Everything was locked down. They paid ransom. It's not public. This is what I'm being told. And I got good sources. Anyway, so let's move to Michigan. So you got those two. The guy is in real jeopardy. I think his name is Morris. He in jeopardy of going to jail. Weiss, excuse me, not not Morris. Walt, Walt Weiss, I think, is his name. Not the baseball player, not the shortstop manager, but the offensive coordinator. FBI's in there. Of course, we have the other investigation. The NCAA investigation is ongoing of Jim Harbaugh visiting kids over COVID, having weird coaches coach. Guys are so. Here is my best guess. You got all this going on. Hammer's going to drop, whatever, 10 days, who knows, sometime between now and then. And the hammer's going to be maybe a couple games suspension. Now, if we don't totally lawyer up, and as you know, there's always a backstory. Let me walk slow. If there is not an agreement, a gentleman's agreement on the backside of this, then what Harbaugh will do is he will find a judge in Detroit or the surrounding area. Probably North, exit 69, Rochester. Great spot, by the way, for a little vacation. Anyway, I digress. So Harbaugh will do that. He'll find a Michigan-friendly judge because a judge is an elected position, and you're not going against Big Blue. So the judge will give a stay of that. He will get an injunction. Harbaugh will be allowed to coach. I believe, now I don't know whether I'm right or not, but Harbaugh, because of injunctions, because of luring, will coach this year. I also believe that because this is so intense 
and there are so many different investigations ongoing. Harbaugh, if he wins a national championship, will drop the mic and walk away, hopefully for him, to the NFL. If he doesn't win a national championship, I believe Harbaugh will drop the mic and head on to the... I don't think that Jim Harbaugh is going to coach next year at Michigan. I would put the odds. You know I go gun to head. And it offends people. Man, in this society, you can't go gun to head. Yeah, I go gun to head. Gun to head. Is Harbaugh coaching Michigan next year? I got two words for you, Joe Biden style. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. And here's the last little bit here. Everybody, and I mean everybody in the Big Ten, and I'm going to speak for Big Ten football coaches here, okay? Everybody knows that Michigan is blowing smoke and that what the other schools allegedly did to Michigan was perfectly legal. So what have we learned? You got to update or certainly make sure that the guy Connor Stallings, the little sign stealer guy, has a job description that is in-depth. And then you're going to have to be able to prove that he did those jobs. Okay. You got to get through, ladies and gentlemen. You got to get through the lawyering phase here. Patini has lawyers at the Big Ten. Patini and the Big Ten lawyers are going to look at the response, which basically says things were stolen at other schools Harbaugh could not know whether they were obtained illegally. Yeah, he talked to Stallions, but how's he going to know? Harbaugh's been a football coach. He knows signs get stolen. How would he know? You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't know. Can't know. Shouldn't know. He's coaching a football team. You know what I'm saying? That's, of course, crap. That is crap. And they're saying that Patini and the Big Ten has no jurisdiction. And they're also saying we have to let due process take its course. Is due process timed? What is due process? Does due process mean, okay, here's the deal. We got uh, six months. Now, you may sit and be sitting on your ass in Tahiti for four of the months, but we got to give this six months to make it seem like due process. I don't know what due process is. Due process to me, to me, is saying, okay, what am I reading? Okay, okay, yeah, 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 no, 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 okay. There you go. It gets thicker, all right? Property records indicate that this guy Stallions purchased a $485 million, $485,000 home. We talked about that yesterday. Well, how did he get that home? And don't think for a second, and when I put my head down, you know I'm serious. Don't think for a second that is not going to be asked. Now, he had a vacuum cleaning business. Oh, okay. This is what I'm saying. This here, this is the lawyering up phase. Checking emails from the attorneys. Hey, this doesn't seem right. Can you get our attorney to respond? Wait a second, hold it. That's what phase we are in, ladies and gentlemen. That is. First phase, oh man, this happened. Second phase, allegations are confirmed. Third phase, start leaking, both sides. Let's just do some leaking. And now we're in the lawyering phase. And as my my familia says, Dan, lawyers can find it. High-priced lawyers can really find it. And everybody's finding it. Hey, uh, Deion Sanders said, oh, hell no. Uh Uh-uh. No, hell no. No. 
I'm not coaching in the NFL. Do you believe it? I want to ask. I'm going to go into the YouTube chat. I got to get this thing out of my ear. It's itching my ear. I got sensitive ears. But do you believe Deion Sanders when he says this? No, no, no. Not what anything whatsoever. I don't think I'm built for the NFL. I don't think because I'm too, I appreciate the game so much and respect the game so much and what the game has consistently done for me for a multitude of years that I, well, when I see a guy getting paid millions of dollars and he has no respect for the game and does not want to excel and succeed expectations of the game, I'm going to have a true problem. So I'm the kind of coach who could go out there with 53, come back from halftime with about 32. Yeah, he's full of crap. Yeah, he's completely full of crap. Look, I'm all, hey, look, I love you. Whitey here has to say you love Dion before you do anything. We got to do it. You always got to say, Dion, I love you, but you're being a little full of crap here. And I'm going to tell you why. Maybe, and that's what I just said was unfair. All right, let's give Dion the benefit of the doubt. He's in his first year. He's turned Colorado and, and the NCAA football operation on its ear. He did it in the offseason by being flamboyant, honest, truthful with players. Being truthful with players led to players getting the Sam Hill out of there. Ixnay, adios, hasta la vista, lacanoche, saranaya, out of here. So they got out of there. All right? He turned it on his head by doing that. People were whining. Turned it on his head by beating TCU. Nebraska, early. Great game against Colorado State. Turned it on his head by his players acting the way they did with the watches. Talking that talk, walking that walk. That'll wear off. That will wear off. And then the grind of recruiting. And then he don't walk so good. And then the grind of what? I'm speaking where, I'm doing what. Now, he loves the limelight. Guys like Sanders and I, we ain't afraid of the camera. I always was until I got to college, and now, look, I'm your go-to guy if you want some smart stuff that's entertaining. But the fact of the matter is, it'll get old for him. And there will be a time, assuming there's an offer, look, you got to understand something about what's going on in Colorado and every school. You don't know the backstory. What's going on in the background? What's real there? You don't know. NFL players, oh, excuse me, NFL owners and their people should know what's going on there. I don't know whether he's ready to coach in the NFL mentally. I don't know whether he wants to coach in the NFL. I do know he's done a great job at Colorado, but I do know this, it will wear off. And I'm just telling you, there will come a time when it's like, wait a second, my kids are gone. I'm uh, Travis Hunter's gone. I'm going to love these other kids up nice, but you know what? It ain't the same. It just ain't the same. Look, I coached my son in AAU basketball. There was no way I was coaching after that. Now, I wasn't paid in AAU basketball, although I should have been because I was outstanding. But look, the NFL will come a calling. Sanders loves the limelight. He just does. And guess what? At some point, it is going to come a calling, unless this thing totally falls apart. But there's absolutely no evidence that it's even close to. In fact, I would argue that what Sanders is doing at Colorado is only going to get better. I've said before, if my son were coming out, football player, i certainly take a look. Now, I got to tell you, I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. I got Notre Dame an hour and a half, Indiana an hour, Purdue an hour. I got Cincinnati. I got Kentucky. 
I mean, I got some schools, Ohio State, two and a half hours, uh, three hours, Illinois, two and a half hours, Michigan, three hours. I can go a lot of places. But I would look at Colorado because it looks like a great spot for someone to go play football, for someone that is going to push you, and that's what I like. In fact, shout out Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson was asked the other day about a couple of his players, highly rated players, not playing the last 10 minutes of their pathetic performance against Florida golf coach. And he said, well, those guys got to learn what the hell to do defensively. I like it. Most player, most coaches, uh, anybody that's coached at IU since me would have said, well, you know, we're going to, we, we, we just, it wasn't the right situation. No, good for Woody. The team will be really good as soon as they figure out not standing on offense because Deion Sanders, like Deion Sanders, Mike Woodson wasn't afraid to call out players that didn't want to do what he wanted to do. So, but I'm not buying it for a second. The NFL, totally different. Man, you're national. You're national for a while at Colorado, but man, you're really, really, really national when you are in the NFL. All right, let me ask you a question. Like, Whitey here has to tiptoe around. I can't say they, you, whatever, whatever. And Whitey here, and you guys as Whitey, have been inundated with what does color have to do with it? What does the color of someone's skin have to do with it? We have been inundated with that in the post-George Floyd era. If you say the wrong word, well, they, oh, my God, you're a racist. I knew it. I saw your tweets back from 1984 when there was no Twitter. I read your mind. You are a racist. What does color have to do with it? What does the color of a man's skin, a woman's skin, have to do with anything? We've been punched in the head with boom. Boom. I mean, Whitey, for, oh, I don't know, the last four years, has been cowering. We had to put that black square in our Twitter account, or you were racist. Say anything bad about Cap. You were racist. Oh, my God. I cannot believe that you said they. Oh, my God. What does the color of a man or woman's skin have to do with anything? Well, let's talk about that. So the NCAA had the worst officiating crew ever in the NCAA Women's National Championship game. The NCAA has come out, and, and, and I can't even tell you how bad the officiating was. And those of you that know me know that I have coaching friends all over the world, really. couple, right as they saw me tweeting it out early, very prominent coach, like, this is the worst officiating I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like this. These people were DEI hires. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I have the rankings of women officials or the women's basketball officials. I don't. But I do know this. I had a prominent two guys, actually, tell me these women are nowhere near, were nowhere near the top of the list as the best officials in women's basketball. They were dark-skinned, light brown, and I'm using the words of Don Staley. They were freaking horrible. A review of the game by the NCAA. Uh, oh, wait a second. Here we go. Uh, national championship win. 
to end LSU's NCAA over Iowa. Uh, women's basketball term is remembered in part for its controversial fish. A review of the game by the NCAA independent review provided to the Associated Press concluded that the refereeing did not meet expectations. Now, I got to tell you, you have no idea. That wording right there did not meet expectations. That's like saying this person here, whatever hyperbole you want, is the smartest human being alive. Or this is the dumbest. You can't be dumb. That is how hyperbolic this is for the NCAA to say that. I'm telling you. The NCAA had planned a review of the tournament of fishing after the 2024 championship concludes, but the process was sped up by a year after criticism of the LSU-Iowa game. The championship game itself, for example, we typically have a performance that I think is 91% historically. In that game, the percentage of correct calls was below that, around 88%. That's crap. NCAA did not provide the reviewer details to the AP, but an independent review by an official who did not participate in the game found the percentage of correct calls. Well, the percentage goes up with obvious stuff, right? But I would say of that 12% that they missed, I would say that they were all calls that you had to be a good official to do. Now, so let's get to who is officiating. We all know in the post-George Floyd era, DEI rules. I've talked about NFL officiating ad nauseum. They publicly said we're going to get younger and more diverse. Well, women's basketball, they decided they were not going to hire the best officials. They were going to hire three women that couldn't officiate blind turkeys to take a dump, including one fat-ass woman. And believe me, I would say it about a dude. If you think that's sexist, then you don't want equal treatment. Because I would say it about a dude. I said it about an official named Fred Jaspers for years. That fat-ass Jaspers is doing the game. Anyway, long story short, uh, some fat-ass official could not get up and down the court. I mean, honest to God. And this woman here was so freaking bad and so stupid that it allowed this woman on the right to act like a complete clown, but it wasn't her fault. That's the clown's fault. But long story short, uh, the NCAA decided DEI, baby, DEI. The independent official said it was much lower than 88%. Out-of-bounds violations were not included as part of the independent analyst. It was clear if they include. it was not clear if they included that. It was so bad that literally the most, what's the right word, ardent fans of NCAA women's basketball were aghast. Coaches texting me because they knew they wanted it out there. And it was all DEI driven. Look, I don't care if the officials are black, white, men, women, sheep, dogs. I don't care. But there's got to be a meritocracy. The great John Adams, not John Adams, what am I talking? Yeah, John Adams, my friend, late John Adams, deceased, said there are nine women officiating men's basketball, eight of whom should not be doing high school games. They're so bad. But that's what we want. He also said, look, ask me one time. I was broadcasting. He asked me one time. This is the way it legitimately goes. Now, I know this will piss you off, but it legitimately goes this way. I was having lunch at Cafe Patichu. He was sitting outside doing something, working. He says, hey, Dan, I wasn't having lunch with him. I was having lunch with somebody else. He goes, hey, Dan, can you get a minute? I go, yeah, what's going on, John? He had a sheet out. 
Do you know an African-American on the West Coast official that's any good? Uh, John, uh, Booker Turner. That's from the 80s. Booker was a West Coast official that did our Michael Jordan game. He was good that game. I don't know. Anyway, of course not. I go, why? He goes, well, I got to move. I got to get an NCAA West Coast African-American official through to the Sweet 16. This has been going on for years and years and years. All right. Special. Not equal. Special. Well, you got special treatment. That's cool. Hey, look. Who do I, I don't know. You do your thing. I personally always thought sports was a meritocracy, but hey, I get it. You know, you got to do your thing. Anyway, so these officials are god-awful. They are horrendous. Historically bad. Bad to the point where you're like, wow. Anyway, but this little admonishment isn't good enough for a little scrappy South Carolina coach. Ah, she's scrappy. Mm. So, Don Staley says, the independent review has, was done under anonymity, but it is known who the officials were, all black and brown-skinned women. Now that they are thrown under the bus, let's not run over them. Really? Let me ask you a question. Let me go back to my original statement. What skin color have to do with it? I mean, I hear it all the time from African-American folks. I see it all the time. Every time somebody says a word that they don't like on Twitter, I just said they, that'll get me canceled. I hear, well, why does skin color matter? Don Staley, why does skin color matter? You want equal treatment, but you want special? Because I'm going to tell you, if this were the men's officials, like in the men's officiating game, John Higgins officiated a Kentucky game. According to Kentucky, he did a bad job. People went to his business, his place of business, and harassed him. People broke in. I think they broke in. They did something that cost him money into John Higgins' business. So wait a second. That's the level that people get pissed off at relative to officiating. They do the same thing with broadcasters. I had somebody send me a bag of penises. I ate one. They were gummies. They weren't very good. I had a guy show up at my daughter's work from Michigan State. Uh, he heard she worked there. Wanted to ask where I was. I had people telling me I'm going to be burned. I had people saying they're going to take a dump in my yard. So wait a second. Because these two officials are brown and black skinned, they're not supposed to be, have scrutiny? We're supposed to lighten up on it? Wait a second. See, there is a great episode in 30 Rock, the greatest show ever written. Greatest show in the history of television from a writing standpoint. One of the episodes, Tracy Jordan, the petulant star, African-American star of the Tracy, TIS, TGS with Tracy Jordan, loses his privilege and is now going to be treated like everyone else. He begged to be treated equally, like a white person. He realized, wait a second here, this sucks. This is horrible, awful, terrible. And he didn't like it. Well, guess what? That's what the world is. Everybody think we want equality until we get equality. We no wait what what no hey look let's not run over the brown and black women really why? We run over the white dudes. We run over the black dudes, but we're not supposed to in officiating say nothing. They were horse bleep. 
Don, we know the deal. We get you. You're a racist. We understand you showed it today. And good for you. Equal but special, baby. That's what you want, huh? It shouldn't work that way in sports. But it does. Two things you can count on in sports. Giving in to DEI and cheating pays. Thus, two of the top three stories today have been Michigan cheating, and it pays, and DEI. Equal, but not too equal. A little special here. Come on. Black and brown skinned gal. We got to treat them a little special. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, tell me I'm wrong. Before you just write, Dockage is a racist, which is what's going to happen. Tell me I'm wrong. I'll listen. How many times do you see it? How many times? Well, what does color have to do with it? What does skin color have to do with it? Mm, until, huh, you need the victim card. All right, let's see here. What's next? Oh, yeah, it's a feel-good story of a college basketball player. He's got a powerful message. He went under, listen to this, eight rounds of chemotherapy. Eight rounds of chemotherapy. Uh, it's a pretty good story. You ready? It's a really good story. So this guy had a hip tumor. He, uh, George Washington uh, University. Garrett Johnson's redshirt freshman. He scored 21. Now, George Washington is now called the Revolutionaries. Shot 5 of 7 from the three-point line, got nine rebounds. They beat Stonehill. He began his career at Princeton, this guy. Listen to this story. It's pretty good. Where he redshirted during the 21-22 season. I know you could redshirt at Princeton. I didn't think you could. Anyway, he withdrew because he got a hip tumor. Listen to me file this year. Uh, it was discovered he went, underwent multiple surgeries and nine rounds of chemo to treat the tumor before he was cleared to return to the court last winter. So he decided to transfer to George Washington. And after eight, nine rounds of chemotherapy, after having this horrific thing, Garrett Johnson, Garrett Johnson went out and shot eight of 10, five of seven for three, Dropped 21 on them, and away they went. Now, I got to tell you, that's a hell of a story. That's a great story. Now, that's one of those stories where you go, hey, finally, something good in this world, at least in basketball, at least in college basketball. I'm telling you right now, we need more feel-good stories. We got crap. We got Dawn Staley saying, well... Don't run over the black and white women horse shit officials. Okay, Don Staley. Let's only run over the white ones. <laughs> One of the things that people don't understand, it just pisses me off. Finished my ninth round with chemotherapy six months ago. Played in my first college basketball game last night. Never give up on your dreams. That's Garrett Johnson. Now, I got to tell you, I don't know from chemotherapy. My mother had breast cancer. And the one thing my mother told me about, I'm like, Mom, what's chemotherapy like? And you know what she said? Other than, you know, I lose my hair, all that. She goes, you know what, Daniel, it's really boring. I go, yeah? She goes, yeah. You sit there with a drip. It's really boring. And then you go home and you get sick as a dog. And then you know you got to do it again. So you know you're going to get sick as a dog. It's like when I was a kid 
and my dad would paddle me. And I'm like, oh, man, I know I'm at hurt. When my mom paddled me, eh. But when my dad, so what would happen was I would then know in the back of my head, I'm going to do something stupid. And another paddling's coming. I just know it. Shit. I don't want to do something, but I would. You know it's coming. Like, I got to get knee replacement. I got to tell Aaron this, January 8th. I know it's coming. I don't want knee replacement. I get infections. Things go bad with me. But I got to have it. I do. I just do. I went to the doctor the other day. QC Kinetics has helped me. I've had a great summer. But he's like, yo, Dan, your leg is starting to get bowed. I'm like, oh, that ain't good. When you know bad stuff's coming, it just sucks. When you know good stuff's coming, you know what that is? That's called Fran Frischella. That's right. When you got good stuff coming, it's called Fran Frischella. He's on right now. Let's talk to Coach Fran about a little bit of college basketball. My favorite announcer, he and Seth Greenberg. Why? I'll tell you why. College basketball announcing is the dumping ground. You need to fulfill a woman, a diverse, blah, 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 blah. You put them in college basketball because there's so much, so many games. So there are very few guys. I watched a guy in the Big Ten Network yesterday, some guy named Davis that played at Purdue. He was wearing women's pants. He was wearing, like, capris. I asked my wife, what the hell are those pants? She goes, oh, my God, they're capris. What? I need men that are men, damn it, guys that have coached. And Fran Frischella has done it all in basketball, and he's nice enough to join us now. My friend, how are you? Well, Christmas morning, because it's, it's basketball season. Lost. And I'm somebody, I wait all season for this. He's in and know. out. I don't have a life. I'm in the playground of life. But I love I loved the joy of the game. You, that's a great story about Garrett Johnson you just told. And you know me. I love, I, I'm not going to come into a situation where Everything's always negative. I'll be critical of people, but this is my time of year, and I'm ready to go, buddy. And you just had a good one, man. Hey, you had Auburn Baylor uh, out in North Dakota or South Dakota. I can't remember. It's a place I got COVID because the genius is sitting there <laughs> in the know. middle of racing. Two balls. Two balls. <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> it, was unbel- it was unbelievable. But I love the experience. Because that's a that's a great spot, and you had two fantastic coaches with good, great teams, really good teams. Well, first of all, Dan, Sioux Falls, South Dakota is America. Okay, it's the America you and I love. All right, it's it's down down home people, hardworking. Uh, you know, it's community, and I love going there. They also love their basketball, so that's the cool <laughs> thing. First of all, then we had two very good teams. Two coaches who did not mind opening the season against a what essentially is a top 25 opponent because Auburn and Bruce Pearl will be really good. And uh, somebody was going to lose the first game of the year, but I thought it was uh, I, I th- it's going to be hard to top that game. There'll be other great games during the year, but the intensity level, we had freshmen, we had veterans, we had transfers, and we had coaches who don't mind playing against good competition. In a venue, as you know, that is old school, that's like, you know, the, the Pentagon is Hoosiers to me. You know, that's Hoosiers. So um, really fun to be there. And I, I was so fun to kick off my season with great people. 
Yeah, and you get to stay right across the street, and there's a decent restaurant yeah. right there. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it was a great, it's a great setup. Hey, Fran, uh, I yeah. want to get into something here. Um, I love that Indiana is playing Kentucky. I love that that's coming back in a year or so. But he, here's mm-hmm. my thing, and I'm curious. Look, ESPN is very smart. They have these games. We have Feast Week. But I'm starting to think, Fran, and this is me being a fan for the first time the last couple of years. I'm like, you yeah. know what? God dang it. Those games are great. But college basketball, and Cal Perry's probably talked to you about this. He's talked to me about it. College basketball needs some juice. Like maybe you play tournaments in August, that kind of thing. But I'm dying to see some of these great games be on home courts. I, I just think it's a yeah. different deal. I could be wrong. What do you think? Well, first of all, Dan, I thought you were going down a similar path to what I'm thinking. We need something to kickstart college basketball season. We know we're in the middle of uh, college football, which is awesome. That's what I do every Saturday when I'm not traveling. NFL, which this year to me has been boring, to be honest. There's no real great storyline. Totally. I mean, so uh, and so you're not going to you're not going to overcome the football mentality of the fan in, in America, but. I definitely think the first week of the season, we got to have more games like Auburn, Baylor, um, more more matchups, maybe home court, maybe not. I thought that venue in Sioux Falls was awesome, but put that aside for a second. I thought 24-hour marathon was cool, where we kicked off the season and we had all these teams, you know, playing throughout the day and night. We need something for college basketball to create excitement, even though we know the average casual sports fan is not going to get into our sport until after January 1st and after the bowl games. Uh, because if you look at this week, right, we did have this one good game. We got Duke, Arizona on Friday night, but we've got, you know, we got blowout after blowout uh, playing low majors, D2s. Uh, not good. Not good for college basketball, in my opinion. You know, here's what I don't like, okay, because I love college basketball. Uh, I don't like that in the general public's mind, and really the media's mind, it's become a one-month sport. I really dislike that because, you know, like I I have a saying, every night college basketball delivers, but you got to have good games. Like Michigan State losing at home to James Madison was a great watch as opposed to watching that you know, in Maui or so, you know what I mean? I, it's a great yes. watch at home, right? At yeah. home. Yeah. But I also think I'm not as, I'm not as hung up on the home, you know, the, the home court okay. stuff as, as just great matchups. Like I, I don't care where you play them, but give me more Auburn Baylor's in the first week of the season. Maybe, maybe how about this? Maybe 80 of the power count. You know what we do at SEC, ACC, SEC, big 12, Let's do that the first week of the season. You know, so what if you take an L? It's a long year. It's not going to hurt your net ranking. Give me more of those in the first week and get everybody excited. Like, I'll give you an example. If you watched the Baylor game the other night, I heard about this kid, Jacoby Walter from Dallas, top 15, ESPN, whatever. This freaking kid went out and had 28 points in his debut (laughs) against a great team. And all of a sudden, I can't talk enough about Jacoby Walter. And early in the year, the first or second week of the year, I know we got Feast Week coming up, and that's pretty cool. Maui and, you know, all that stuff at the Garden. But in this first week when we're kicking off hoops, 
I need more of that. Give me 40 of those contests. I don't care where you play them, but give me some contests that really matter that will mirror, you ready for this? Mirror the NCAA tournament four, four months from now because Auburn lost the other night, but they're still going to be in the NCAA tournament. They're really right. good. Yeah, see, Common here's sense. my thing with home court. Fran, I, I think certain places show up well on TV. Like, I thought that the venue, I was watching your game. I think certain yeah. places, like, that, that stand, it showed up great on TV. Assembly Hall showed up great. Ohio State's gym back in the day. Now it doesn't yeah. show up great on TV. But, but you know, St. John's, you coach there. I just think there are places, and this is just me, and maybe I have, like, you know, all those initials, ADHD or, you know, whatever the hell all that stuff is. I, I but when I like, I never could watch a game, no matter how good they are, at Oklahoma. I just, I, I always thought Texas, yeah. Oklahoma, and Houston had bad looking. Even though the, that's just me, though, Fran. I, I it's got to show up really good to enhance. And I think, I, I just, I don't know. Like you, you play oh. at Rupp, you play. You know, you've been to all these. I don't know. I, I'll give you an example. Here's what it is. Remember uh, now, it's entertainment. Go ahead, Danny. It's entertainment. It's entertainment. So when you see right. a half empty gym, right? That's one thing. So how do we how do we create entertainment? The matchups I've talked about, right? The the venues make sense. You know what you're saying makes sense. How about people having joy for the game instead of always banging on referees or the oh. NCAA or stuff that, you know, doesn't relate to Jacoby Walter going out and getting 20 and 8. That's why I love my job. You and I have been around ba- – I've been around basketball since I was 13, similar for you, and I, I love everything about college basketball. The atmosphere, the competition, the new players, the veterans, the guys that stay in school. By the way, you know what they call NIL at SMU, right? Now now it's legal. You know, now you got the kids <laughs> getting paid legally. I mean, we had to deal with guys getting paid Years ago when we were coaching in the Big Ten, but we weren't cheating, you know? That wasn't fair. But anyway, all these things that we have to create a joy for the sport. And if we don't have that, fans aren't going to watch. It makes sense. Too many other things on TV. I could watch the Republican Boy, National Debate, you know, and I, be I, entertained. I agree, man. Not, not. I, I agree. Fran, I mean, I can get into that if you'd like. Vivek Ramaswamy no, 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 went off it. yesterday. No, no, I can't. I can't too. <laughs> hey, by the way, Emory, Emory, hey, Emory University, home of Jason Zimmerman, the coach there, played at Warsaw High School for Al Rhodes. Um, they have fifteen hundred, yeah, yeah fifteen hundred Jewish students there, and uh, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in support of Emory University's Hillel uh, organization there. Just so you're aware, yeah. I'm with you on that. That's a good. My uh, brother, uh, my my step, uh, my step, my sister-in-law, and my nieces and nephews are Jewish, and I got to tell you, it's tough, man. I mean, I, I, uh, I, it's, yeah. it's tough. Um, got a lot all right, of friends, let me go into a couple. A lot of basketball of... friends, yeah. Go ahead. A lot of friends in Israel. A lot yeah. of basketball there. Yeah. Yeah, you're Mr. International Basketball, and ESPN it was so stupid to take you off of the draft. I don't understand it, and I don't want you to comment on that. I know you're on radio, but God damn. I had a good run. How hey, 12 years. Hey, I was the, I I was know, the middle I know. I was the middle reliever that made the All-Star game. You know what I mean? Like they they threw me in for an inning. <laughs> I hit it. I I struck out three batters and then I went back, took a shower. It was good. I, I love doing it for 12 yeah. years, and honestly, I did it at an All-Star level. And you know, we know you TV did. things. All good, all good. 
You're the you, you don't know this him name, in, but I you didn't even notice him in West Virginia's arena today. You didn't even well, know that. I was I was getting to that, okay? okay. I was getting to my 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 one time home, okay? I was, I was. Uh, that's, a, that's a Zoom background. It's a Zoom background. I figured it was. Truthfully, I was kind of watching, and nothing was moving. Right? You got Augusta National up there. I don't know. You know, it's like I, I yeah. just, I always tell people, I just look stupid and act stupid, but really, I'm, I'm pretty astute. What are, in your opinion, you mentioned storylines, and I yeah. think you're absolutely right about the NFL. Like, I think the NFL storyline is how horse bleep the officiating is, and how every time you see a play you got to look in that little corner to see if there's that yellow flag thing i'm like geez what are the major storylines as we head into college hoops here fran well first of all let me digress uh there's so many penalties that gene steratore is going to get an emmy this year but that's that's another story (laughs) Uh, he's on so much um but uh well first of all something that i think is the unintended consequence of of the transfer portal and covid uh extra extra years is I actually think basketball is, pretty, is being played at a pretty high level because we're not really relying on freshmen anymore. You know, there was that stretch, and I know Duke's got a good class, and Kentucky's got DJ Wagner, and we saw this young man the other night from Baylor, but if you look at both Baylor and Auburn, and this is going to be true of most of the top 25, veteran players, free agency is here. you got to accept it in college basketball. Can't get used to the kids anymore. You don't really know whether they're coming or going, but on the court, I think the play is good because you have so many upperclassmen. Think of Hunter Dickinson right now. He would be playing for the Grand Rapids gold if it weren't for NIL. And instead he's at Kansas making probably seven figures. And and the good thing for us is we're getting a chance to watch him for another year. Zach Eady, guys like that. So, I think college basketball right now is about the upperclassmen, the transfers, and the fact that it's more financially secure. You're more financially secure if you're not a first-round pick and you're in a power conference. Stay in college. You know, people made fun of me, and it's just fine, but I said Trace Jackson Davis should have stayed at Indiana. And I'll tell you why. And I wonder, yeah. you know, I think and people don't understand this. But he had a chance to be the all-time leading scorer at Indiana. He had a chance to be the all-time leading scorer in the Big Ten. He had a chance, I think, to be the all-time leading rebounder, shot blocker. And he was going to make – I don't know what he was making. I don't think he was making what Dickerson was making. But I saw the other day he had his debut, garbage time, got 10. Then he was getting sent down to Santa Cruz, and then he was brought back. You know, and, and I one of the things that I'm interested in for a guy like a Jackson Davis is legacy. You know, like – at the we're old enough. I always told my son, I go, look, you know, I'm 50. You've never, I've been 18. You've never been 50. I go, you know, you're 26 or 28. I'm six. You know, legacy, I think is important because once you get to the NBA and you're not a first round pick, as you know, man, that, that bus ride to Santa Cruz ain't no fun. Yeah, no, I, I would say this about Jackson Davis. Uh, I watched him play. You've seen him many times, obviously. I, I get him because he stayed four years at least, you know? And I thought he was actually yeah. a better pro prospect than someone taking 57th or someone grabbed it, you know, 27th pick. So more power to him from the standpoint of, I think he left a pretty good legacy. Your point about staying one more year, reaping the NIL stuff, I, I'm with you. 
But these guys that leave after their freshman, like we had so many guys leave after their freshman and sophomore years that went in the second round, Dan. And that's, that's stupidity to me. That's, that's dumb because I have a son who's been on, he's been in three G league organizations. And I'm going to tell you at 6 AM in Des Moines, when I'm catching a flight out of Ames the night before, and I see these 10 tall guys coming towards me and I go, who the hell is that? Oh, it's the main Celtics. They got to play in Cleveland tonight and they're in commercial. Right. And it, they got, they're in middle seats. Meanwhile, Indiana is not going to fly commercially once this season. So I get it. No. But in his case, at least he left a reasonably good, if not a great legacy, and could have added to it. Yeah, no, I, I don't I, I don't disagree with that all that. I, I do. And, and you make a very, very good point. I used the kid Sharif Cooper. I did Sharif Cooper's first oh. game against oh. and people were they were crushing me oh. because I said, you know, the NBA's pretty good. He might want to stay another year, blah, blah. And people destroyed me. And I think it was your maybe it was your tweet the other day where you mentioned yes. Cooper. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that guy, right? He's not even Dan, around. Dan, if I, I, I did a – you know, he only played like 10 games. You did like the first or second one. Remember he was ineligible? Yeah. Well, yeah. he played – Auburn played Baylor um, th- that year, and I did the game. And I knew he was leaving. His dad's an agent. Come on, he's a basketball agent. Come on. I mean, right. Agent. You know what I mean, agent. Um, and so I said on the air – this kid's great. He's a great college point guard. If he stayed next year, and I was clear, he's not staying. He's leaving. He's going to play with Jabari Smith, the third pick in last year's draft. What I didn't realize was he was going to play with Walker Kessler, who transferred from Carolina, who now starts for the Utah Jazz, seven foot one, who's going to be an all-star someday, right? The big white guy's coming back into the game because this kid yeah. can block shots and do some things. So he would have played with Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, they would have been to they, minus a bad loss. They would have been in the final four. This kid could have been national player of the year, and he would have tricked some team into taking him with the top 10 picks, a top 10 pick. Like he's the next CP three, right? Same size, whatever. But he left early second round. And I don't even know which G league team he's with this year. I'm assuming he's back with the Hawks, but you know, you, you want to cringe when this happens because you know, in your heart, you and I are older than these 18, 19, 20-year-olds, and we kind of know what's going to happen. Hey, that's what that's what capitalism's all about. Free country. Yeah. Do your thing. No. Nope. You're right. There, there, There's examples of good and bad, and staying in college yeah. was never a bad thing, and particularly now staying in college huh. is a good uh. thing. I got, I got to ask you about a couple programs. Uh, well, Shire taking over at Duke. I think they have a terrific team. I love that Filipowski kid. The recruiting uh, class has been great. I, from my side of it, and I'm out of the game, it seems yeah. seamless with Kay. Your thoughts on Duke and Shire? Well, first of all, Dan, you probably have met John. He's a really good guy. You know, I mean, he probably took the best of yeah. Coach K. Hopefully he took the best of Coach K. Then, like all coaches – there's things as when, you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you, you work for the general. There's things that you go, man, when I become a head coach, we're doing that. And then there's other things you go, we're not doing that. You know, that's not me. And I think John has really done a good job of being John. And obviously he learned a lot from Coach K, learned how to run a program, learned how to coach. But what I like about him is he's his own man so far. 
And I root for them because, you know, it's easy to hate Duke. We get that, right? They're they're Duke. They're, you know, they're the Green Bay Packers. They're the, they're the Yankees, whatever. I'm rooting for him because I like him. I think he's a good guy. And his energy level for a young coach with the product, which is Duke, now makes this really like he's shooting fish in a barrel. And so they got a chance. They're going to keep recruiting good players. That brotherhood is there, all the NBA guys. So that's a guy I root for, even though I'm not a guy that usually roots for the favorite. No, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly with you. I, I've never had a problem uh, with Duke. Uh, Kentucky, I've said this, and I've caught hell about it. I'm like, look, I see things a lot differently as a fan these last couple of years. I do. You just, you've never been out of it. It's my first time since I was seven years old, basically, not involved playing basketball at some type of level. I'm yeah. sitting there going, yeah, even right now, Fran, because I watched the second half and they blew out New Mexico State, Kentucky's not that interesting. Uh, and it, it, Now, win and you get interesting, but I felt yeah. like even last year they had fallen into an irrelevance to me, which has never in my life happened. Yeah, listen, I, I've known John since I was 19. We worked Dean Smith's camp together, right? We don't talk very much anymore. No, no particular reason, just the way things are. I don't know what they do when I watch them play. I don't know. Are they offensive-minded? Right. I mean, right. what, are they, what are they running? Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a student of the game, as you know. And they're going to be good. And, they, you know, like, I think John said it best. Here's the problem. They're good, but they're just not Kentucky good. He said it. came out of his mouth. And I don't, I don't see them being Kentucky good this year. And the other thing is, I couldn't name more than – and I know the game. I couldn't name more than five guys on that team. And I'm someone that usually knows every, you know me, I know every guy on every roster, but uh, Edwards, obviously DJ. Uh, I know Reed Shepard because his dad was a good player for coach Patino in the nineties. It's not the same right now. Now if they go on a 19 game win streak here to start the season and they're doing their dribble drive stuff and I'm going to be breaking down film and putting it on video for coaches Happy to do that, but if I was helping somebody coach right now, that's not a team I would study, you know, as far as the X and O's. And But they got talent, and we'll see if they're Kentucky good or they're just going to be good and be a five seed. And being a five seed at Kentucky, we know, you you grew up in the, in the, in the area. Um, that's not good enough for that fan base. It's just not. So it's going to be interesting to see if Cal can get the mojo back. That's That's the word. Yeah, I got I got to read Shepard's dad's story. Jeff Shepard was one of my favorite guys. I recruited the hell out of him. He was coming to Indiana, except Coach Knight didn't think he was so good. And I'll never forget putting the cover of Sports Illustrated on Coach's desk going, here you go. Uh, you know, <laughs> only game in my career where Knight put me back in the game because the team without me was struggling. Ohio University. 1984-85, big Victor yes. Alexander. I started the game. We're rolling. We're up 20. Knight takes me out. I get a standing ovation. Joe Hillman and these guys are freshmen. They came in. They're screwing the game up. Knight goes, get back in there and straighten this game out. We go up 20 again. You were on the sideline. Danny Nee was the coach. Let me ask yes. you. I got a couple minutes here. Coach Knight just passed. Your thoughts? Yes. Well, listen. You know, you knew him better than 
almost anybody. You lived with him for all those years. My relationship with him was similar to many. I was on the good side. I was on the bad side. I ended up being on the good side at the end. But I will say this. Let's take the temper out of it and the boorishness. You have a million stories. Coach Knight and Dean Smith did do more for college basketball coaching than any two human beings in the last 60 years. It was Coach Knight's uh, uh, simplicity and execution, one defense, one offense, and perfect them. It was Dean Smith's surprise and change. You know that. Multiple defenses, multiple offenses. But the story I told, which really resonates, uh, is Coach Knight, as you know, because you've heard this story, he liked Digger. He loved Digger because they would go way back. He knew Digger didn't cheat. And so as a consequence, he liked Danny. We were thrilled to play you guys in Assembly Hall. We knew we were pretty good. We wanted to get tested. We lost the game, by the way, 91-76, right, to your point. And after the game, Coach Knight grabs Danny's hand and goes in the handshake line, call me tomorrow. I want to tell you about your team. So Billy Hahn, the late Billy Hahn and I, Mr. Walker's finest, go. we go to church on Sunday. We show up about noon, and Danny had just talked to Coach Knight, and he had 10 pages of notes on a yellow pad. And he said, hey, Coach Knight said, we got to change this. Got to put your big guy, Alexander, on the other block because he turns over his left shoulder. Don't run this. It was easy to guard. If you do this more, I think you'll be better. And Danny took everything to heart. We won the MAC that year, beating Ron Harper and company, a great Miami team. And um, it was just a little sliver of, of all the good and bad that like a guy like you knew about Coach. There were a lot of things that you know Danny did behind the scenes, whether it was at a hospital, an ex-player, or, or a young coach, that you go, wow, that's pretty cool. So, you know, I got yelled at a few times by him at ESPN, but there are stories like that that make you uh, at least appreciate there was a human side, and that's that was pretty cool to me. Yeah, he, he liked you. He liked uh, Danny and – i tell you one thing he wasn't going to do. He wasn't yeah. going to physically confront Danny Knee because Danny Knee was a bad boy. He wasn't going to act like a jackass to Danny Vietnam Knee. Vietnam Knight understood, right? Vietnam right? vet, man. Wounded, wounded <laughs> yeah, in Vietnam. And, hey, and he got the job at Notre Dame because he basically had a high school basketball camp up in South Bend when all the coaches went out at night. Digger made fun of Danny's nose. And I can't say what Danny said back to him. As a high school coach, and three days later, Digger hired him. And as you know, when you stand up <laughs> for the bully, the bully sometimes appreciates that. Oh, uh, someday <laughs> I'll tell you the story. I never, I, I, I never told anybody this until about the last two years of me having to punch Coach Knight. It was an odd <laughs> story. I thought I was going to get fired, shot. It was in a private little deal. He went too far with me one day, and you got to stand up to the bully. Hey, Fran, thanks I got for fired coming five out, man. Times. Great stuff. I got. I got fired five times. I got Dude. hired six by Danny, so it's all good. Dude, I got fired five times in a week. I got fired five times in a two-hour game if it was going bad in 1996. Hey, thanks, my friend. You're the best. Keep killing it. Always a pleasure, I'll never Dan. understand. I'll never understand. I will. And Fran made a great point right there. Fran and Seth, they go out of their way to make things fun and interesting. I mean, I know Hummel's all the rage, and I know Billis is all the rage, and that's great. But God dang, I'm listening last night or the other night to the Indiana game, and I 
I, I did what Coach Knight and I used to do when we watched tape. I turned the volume down. I'm like, well, you know, that's a foul. And I'm like, man, and I like both guys. They're both good guys. But damn, this is hoops. You're supposed to have some enthusiasm, some knowledge, share some stuff. Well, you know, they're going to do a back screen here. And we'll be right back. Danny Warfel joins. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. And look, uh, we celebrate people, good people on this show. We celebrate winners, Heisman Trophy winners, national champions, but overall good people. And Danny Werfel uh, fits all of that. All right, I got to get right into this. I told you off air I was going to Bill Walton it. I was going to save it for the air. That's what Walton always says to his partners. All right, I've been a college football fan my whole life, whole life. Couldn't wait to go to Indiana football games when I was a basketball player there. Couldn't wait as a coach. I always wanted to watch the Florida-Tennessee game. Uh, It's my favorite game. All right. But something's making me crazy. Last week, Danny, I had it going. I had LSU-Alabama, and then I had USC and Washington. And, Danny, I swear to God, I know Penix is great. I know Williams is great. I know Daniels is great. That Milrow has become terrific. But there's no defense in college football, Danny. There's no defense. Guys throw the ball to wide open receivers, Danny. This is like, am I wrong about this? What's going on here? Uh, man, it is pretty interesting. I, I don't know that I'm quite as fired up as you. I, I'd love to love to be out there throwing to wide open receivers. Um, it does seem like, especially in certain places, there's no defense. Uh, uh, but... Um, I don't know what's going on. I think you got great athletes. You got great schemes. You know, when when you got all these different ways to attack zones uh, that then make people want to play a little bit more man. But then when you get into man, if anybody breaks down, you can get a big play. So it's it's interesting time. Danny, I, I, I swear to God, I'm sitting there going, my God. And then I looked this weekend just just to see. And like the over under for USC Oregon's like 75. <laughs> like, man, like. I mean, look, the clock runs now in college football. They don't stop it. it it's really amazing to me. It, it, it really is. Let me ask you, college football playoff, this has been going on for a little bit now. You played in an era where I don't think they had the college football playoff. Give me your thoughts on the college football playoff, and do you think expansion, expanding the playoff is a good thing? You know, uh, prior to me and when I was around, it was just they even could have co-national championships. There was no way to ensure that the top two teams would play. So the first iteration of finding the two I thought was an improvement. And I'll never forget that the first time that I got to watch one of the semifinal games when they when they moved it to a four-team playoff. And it really felt like watching an NFL playoff game. It was electric. I thought it was a huge step up for college football. Uh, and I think it's time to 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 make that uh, broader. So I'm really excited about what's coming down the pipe. I think adding more teams to the mix. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know teams are having. You know, if you're afraid of not being an undefeated or a one defeated team in the current system, you, you schedule a certain way where you're going to get a lot of easy games because you don't want to get challenged. You got to protect your record. But 
it really comes down to the best teams. You might as well play some of the best teams throughout the year, hopefully get some credit from that uh, uh, in the system. But then in the future, you have a, still a chance to get in and, and win. So I, I love that it's expanding. See, Danny, I, I like at my age, I only really get to compete in golf. That's it. At, you know, I mean, what am I competing in at 61 years old? So a lot of my time is spent now watching others, and I need appointment TV. And to your point, I think the college football playoff at 4 or 8 or 12, I don't care. I think it's going to be appointment TV whether there's 12 or there's 8. So I love it. I, the more the merrier, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I think great. I think, I, I think it's going to be a big step up for sure. People ask me this all the time, and I'm going to ask you because you actually did this. Basketball you see the NBA draft, and there's players from every country, it seems like. Uh, baseball, you got guys from every country. Football, you're basically playing you know, against the best Americans, but you played overseas. Now, let me ask you, NFL Europe. Is NFL Europe, is it possible for NFL Europe to be a minor league system on a bigger scale than it is right now? What's the setup? People ask me this all the time. You're the perfect guy to ask. What is the setup of NFL Europe, and can it be a minor league? Well, I think it served like that, you know, 20 years ago. I had a great experience. Me and several guys uh, who were kind of backups on NFL teams got a chance to go and actually play, uh, get reps in. I think that actually helped extend my career a few years, the success that I had over there. So I think it can, and you know, also serves as a great marketing tool to broaden the sport into to other countries to to bring in more viewers. You know, they just had a NFL game in Frankfurt, which was also where we we played for the World Bowl in 2000, 23 years ago. So I think I think it's a great way to do that. Uh, I think one of the challenges of the NFL is there's no developmental league to it. So like you know, you get all these guys that are drafted based on possibilities and based on their ceilings. Uh, and yet, if they don't get the chance to develop, they usually uh, have a couple of bad years, then they're moving on to the next person, as opposed to where you can still have a develop. You know, I, I, I think that piece is missing, and I think that could help. I went to the NFL Colts against the Jaguars in Wembley Stadium, and it was awesome. Uh, it, it was great. But here's my question about that. And again, you're the perfect guy to ask. There's a big difference between between playing a couple games a year in different places and supporting a team on a week-to-week basis. The NFL is talking about coming into Europe. In your opinion, is that a good move? Is it a foregone conclusion? Uh, you know, I don't know the, the business optics of that. I think anytime you can get your sport over there, it's positive. In fact, I was talking with a guy that lived in Frankfurt just yesterday – and he said, uh, anytime there was anything American going on, it was a big party and people wanted to be interested in it, uh, you know, back in those days. So I think, uh, I do think any any exposure we get is better. Certainly not like having a team and having the week-to-week following, as you mentioned, but I do think it's making sense uh, or they wouldn't be doing it. Would it make sense to players to have to live there and do the traveling? Boy, that's a tough question. I would say, uh, you know, when it comes to your professional sport, uh, most players would take the best deal that they could get anywhere they could get it. (laughs) So, you know, if you you could play for your hometown uh, professionally, you'd do it. And if you had to go, you know, live in some remote island uh, in a third world country just to be able to play your sport and get paid, I think guys would do that too. You you take what you could get, trust me. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. Money talks, but also the passion. Because uh, I don't know about you, and you've done, you're doing great things, and I'm going to get into it here in a minute. But the business world ain't quite as fun and rewarding as the sports world. Let's put it that way, particularly at a level like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I think because of that, because people love their sport, I think in many ways as we, we do it our whole lives, it's so hard to let go. Even there's countless examples of right. – athletes that probably need to retire but you just you can't and so you know you you move that down the levels if you have an opportunity to go somewhere else and play you know how many guys are playing basketball all over Europe uh, making money doing that you've got all sorts of uh, ways to play but football just doesn't so if, if there's anywhere to do it I'm sure there'd be a lot of guys trying you know there's there's the Canada there's the flag football stuff now guys are playing anybody wants to keep playing they will Hey, I got to ask you, and I'm, I'm guessing, you know, I'm not expecting you to be an expert on this, but, you know, when I was coaching basketball and I coached for 20 plus years, uh, I always had my coaches, you know, call other coaches and see what plays are being run. We scouted the hell out of it, but we got their signs. How prevalent, I'm not asking you to comment on Michigan because, or you can if you'd like, but how prevalent is, you know what, that when they do all this, this is what they're going to run. Was that something that was a big-time deal in your world as a player? Well, it kind of depends. Not so much in college that I remember. You know, NFL, it's it's hard, especially for offense, because they're they're talking in the helmet, so you can't read or catch those signals. But if you could if you could pick up on any hand signals that a defense was doing to give you a clue if they're blitzing or not, you certainly would would like to know that. So I think you know, there's there's always a, an element of trying to have some gamesmanship within within the rules, but then there's always uh, everyone and many who would push beyond that and try to try to get an extra advantage. And, you know, I do want to take a moment to say, you know, I played for Coach Spurrier and, and a lot of people loved him and a lot of people didn't. Most people didn't like him because he beat him. But he was probably the most straight laced when it came to following rules coaches I've ever been around. Just want to give him that shout out because I don't think a lot of people recognize that about him. Yeah, I played and coached for Bobby Knight, and that's what we were. I got fired numerous times for even thinking about breaking a rule, like you're not even doing it. But, you know, it, it, yeah. it is interesting. When, when, when you talk about the helmet, like, is it, is it really difficult? Like, why don't they have what they have in the NFL with getting signals in your helmet? Why don't they have that in college? What, what, what in your opinion, is the holdup? Is it too difficult? What's the deal? Uh, I think maybe there's some thoughts that, uh, it, you know, all the different schools that play Division One football don't have access to the same amount of money, same amount of technology. So yeah. maybe it would you couldn't do it. Also say, even when I was playing, I'm sure it's better now, those things went out a lot. Like the consistency of those things weren't even great. So I think between those two things, that's been a holdup. But I think I think they need to do that also. And, and hey, since you've been asking me questions, here's my question. Here's what gets me. Why do we have to wait three to four minutes every time there's a review in a college or an NFL game? Why, why isn't there a ref somewhere that has about 15 seconds that can catch it oh. as fast as we do, change it and get going? Like, why are we waiting three minutes for every review when it's so clear? Anyway, that's my pet peeve. Back to you. You're the host. Danny, you, no, no, no. You are preaching to the choir, brother. I mean, you – like the NFL, I had season tickets for years, great seats at the Colts. I'm in Indianapolis. And frankly, I got bored because 
the guy in the red, the orange gloves. I don't know if you know. He's got the orange gloves and he's out there doing this, and he's stopping the game. There's a review. They go to come. Danny, there should be an official that can just buzz. And at one buzz, call was right. Let's go. Two buzzes, call was wrong. You know, we're going back this way. I'm so with you on that, Danny. It makes me crazy, crazy. Yeah, just maybe Elon Musk could help solve some of these problems for us. <laughs> yes. Dude puts a man on Mars or he's trying to figure out NFL uh, replay or college replay. All re- I don't High school replay. Just figure it out. Hey, if you don't mind, talk about your foundation and some of the stuff you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well... The Warfel Foundation, we exist to inspire service and unity in the world. It's, it's really my way of using my platform to make a difference. And one of the, the main things we do is we have the Warfel Trophy, which is a college award for community service. Uh, it's a Division I college football award, not for tackles or yards or those things, but it's for who's doing the most work to make their community better. We have over 100 nominees this year again, and we uh, we just had our list of the eight semifinalists. We'll do our finalists shortly. Really, really excited about highlighting their work. We also, you know, most of my life, I've, I've been really focused on working in under-resourced neighborhoods through Desire Street Ministries, and the Warfel Foundation supports Desire Street and the work that we do. And I help uh, a lot of others, including former athletes, strategize, think, and start their own foundations as well to, to do well. So WarfelFoundation.org, that's that's the, the kind of the way that we can get connected and the way that we're trying to make a difference. Hey, appreciate you, man. Uh, we'll pub it. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time. Great question yeah. to me. I could go on that for a freaking hour, Danny. I could go on to officiating yeah. and the replay forever. Thank you. What about NIL and what about transfer portal? What about the way that they're not letting anybody hit anybody? Like we're not done. We need to come back another time. <laughs> Let's go. Now hold on, hold on. What would you have been worth at Florida as a Heisman Trophy winner, NIL wise? I don't know, but I was there the other week for a game and they were giving Chick-fil-A sandwiches to the recruits. And I thought, dang it, I probably deserve at least one Chick-fil-A sandwich. So I got my free Chick-fil-A sandwich. So at least that, apparently. No, no, no. No, you'd have been worth millions, millions. Let me ask you another question. Did you ever think about transferring? Uh, I never did. No, I was I was locked in. um, And and as my career went on, I was more locked in. you know, there was some some thought about Coach Spurrier maybe going pro my senior year, so I had thought about maybe uh, leaving leaving early, but super glad that didn't happen. We had a magical senior season, uh, one that uh, we'll never forget. Yeah, well, uh, don't even. I know you're a humble guy. I know you have a servant's heart, but you'd have made bazillions at Florida. Are you kidding? Come on. I don't know if you'd have made Tebow money because that whole thing got no. insane, right? I mean, T- Tebow's yeah. – <laughs> You ever Fair tell enough. Tebow that God's better than you? You ever just <laughs> no, like, was, you know, you got – I was at the Heisman ceremony a couple years ago, and this kid came up with an orange gator helmet, kind of like this one behind me. I don't know if you can see it on the screen. If you go to the wider shot, you can. But I had a little gator mini helmet. Uh, and I said, who do you want me to make this autograph out to you? And he wouldn't tell me. And uh, there, there's the helmet there. So I uh, I said, I'm not signing it unless you tell me your name. And he said, I don't, I don't know who you are. I just saw that you were in that room with Tim Tebow, and I was hoping you could have him sign this for me. Could you do that? 
oh, out of the mouths of babes, right? There you go. Uh, out there. of the. Hey, let me let me let me let me continue to ask you. You know, Swamp King Urban's a friend. He was a, ba- a football coach at Bowling Green when I was a basketball coach. We lived next to each other. We continue a great a great friendship. Um, when you were in Florida, I saw Swamp Kings, and I'm like, man, every coach would want to have that weight room craziness, like guys just working so hard. You know, you were there in the '90s. You were there under one of the great coaches of all time, Steve Spurrier. What was that environment like? You know, uh, every environment's a little bit different. I think some of those scenes you saw were pretty intense on Swamp Kings, which is why it was such a powerful documentary and unique team. Uh, we had some crazy strength coaches too. We did some some insane types of things, um, and, and, and that was great. But I, you know, to me, the biggest difference in our team was Coach Spurrier was just so so ahead of his time as an offensive play caller that uh, we just. We scored uh, so many points and put pressure on defenses. And then once we got Bob Stoops in there as our defensive coordinator and began shutting people down, too, that was our our, our ticket to the national championship. Man, uh, Danny, great stuff, man. I appreciate you coming on. Anytime you want to talk about your foundation or come back, talk football, we're here, brother. Thank you. You got it. Take care, man. Thank you. Just two very handsome bald men having a conversation. That's right. Just two very, very handsome Baldwin. Hey, uh, breaking news. I did not know this on a good friend of mine, my boy, Jason Bonetti, who is the best announcer, college football, professional baseball, is leaving the White Sox. I just got an alert from the great Bonetti. The great Bonetti is going over to the Detroit Tigers. Holy hell. The great Bonetti, he's leaving us. In Chicago, good for him. Look, there's a lot. There's always a backstory, ladies and gentlemen. Make no bones about it. There is always. This is a major loss for Chicago. They, Jason Benetti and Steve Stone, were by far the best announcing team in Major League Baseball. It was not even close. They were voted on it by the fans. Benetti made it fun. He tamed Stoney, but there was always a little something in the background with the management with the White Sox and how they were or were not treating the great Benetti. So we, I will reach out to Benetti this afternoon. I'm sure he won't come on. Maybe he will. Who knows? And have a chat with the boy. I don't know where he is. But Gritty, that's one of our favorites. That's the great Benetti. Holy hell. I mean, I just saw it come across the wire. The great Benetti is taking off of Chicago. Remember, the great Benetti uh, jumped in there for the Hawk Harrelson, who is so ingrained in the White Sox, basically like following a legend in coaching. And Jason not only jumped in there and did great, he endeared himself. He's a Chicago guy. He's from over there at home with Flassmore. Whoa, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I got to say. W H O. Hey, whoa, huh, all right, you know how we do about this time every day, those of you on the YouTube chat and Twitter and Facebook and Outkick.com, I thank you. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for emails and voice mail. Man, I love doing this show. I thank these guys every day for letting me do this show. All right. My man, Johnny B, John Buzzard, 
sends me an email. Dan, I remember hearing about, oh man, D.C. electing Mayor Marion Barry in the 90s after the FBI and police caught him on video smoking crack during a sting operation. Boy, do I remember that. Oh, do I remember that. He got reelected after going to the clink. Uh, I don't know if he actually went to the can. Maybe he did. I thought that was odd to have a crackhead elected. Then Indianapolis elected Hogsett to a third team, third term. That's why Indy might even be dumber. Indy is dumber. Look, Joe Hogsett provided over the idiots that in the summer of love that we all had to shut up about, he directed Indy right into the toilet. The murder rate in Indianapolis is higher than that of Chicago. Let me say that again. The murder rate in Indianapolis is higher than that of the murder rate in Chicago. That's right. Downtown Indy was destroyed on two nights of rioting where our mayor was allegedly, allegedly in a stupor, uh, unavailable. He told the police to stand down and just let our city burn, and it hasn't recovered. Crime through the roof, lawlessness through the roof. We have a, we have a guy named Ryan Mears, who is the prosecutor that the night commander, or one of the night commanders of the IMS, Indianapolis Metropolitan Police, IMPS, whatever it is, told me during a round of golf, this guy's getting people killed because he panders to our communities while our communities uh, rob, rape, steal on a nightly basis. The most violent is always every weekend. It's ridiculous what is happening in Indy, but Indy, you're stupid. You're stupid. Hey, Dockage, this is from Greg Sorensen. Hey, Dockage, how come Florida State is getting so disrespected? They don't even bring up our win over LSU, who was ranked, or a win over Clemson, who was ranked, or a win over Duke that was ranked, and we get no love. They don't even show our resume. Please let me know. Well, it's easy. Nobody cares about Florida State. We cared about Florida State back when Bobby Bowden was the coach. We cared for a year when Jumbo, Jimbo, Jim B, whatever, Jim Beam Fisher was the coach. We don't care about Florida State. They're boring. I love their quarterback, Travis. I do, Greg Sorensen, give you guys props. I do, Greg Sorensen, talk about him as one of my Heisman contenders. And he'll certainly have the opportunity as we move forward. But name me someone or something in the ACC that's interesting. Clemson, not interesting. They beat up on an overmatched coach in Marcus Freeman to get a good win. Uh, Miami football needs Luther Campbell back. They need to start cheating big time. I mean big time. Well, it's not even cheating. They need to get go back to the blow and the hookers and the rap and all the stuff that Uncle Luther did. Come on, Miami. Football is more interesting, not when Miami's good. Football is more interesting when Miami's good and corrupt. Get back to who you are, Miami. Get corrupt. All right, hey, coach. This is from Gary Mays, Rocky River, uh, Ohio. Hey, coach. We have corresponded a couple times over the years. Back in the day, I was working my way up the college basketball ranks. I worked with Mark Baltz, great guy. Worked for Eric Harmon and many others. We met outside Keystone Crossing a couple years ago. You were shopping with your wife, and we chatted outside the Starbucks. Two things. You flying to Finley was most likely to meet Bob Wordman. Yeah, that was who it was. Former supervisor of Big Ten Hoops officials. He was also an NFL ref. Worked the Final Four in Super Bowl. 
Ego was the size of Texas. Boy, was that true. Your tribute to Coach Knight was some of the best work you have ever done. I usually do not spend 45 minutes straight on things like podcasts, but I was glued to your YouTube channel for the tribute. I got goosebumps. Fantastic tribute. Keep up the great work. You know what? Our show uh, is, is going to be at some point the number one show on Fox uh, at some point. You know, it, it, it's just the way this is headed. This is so good. We're so good at it. We have so much fun. Our crew is so great. Nick and Nick, too. We talk every evening. Aaron is driving the bus like Kramer, knocking guys off the side, stopping. If you ever saw the, the, the episode where Kramer is driving, and I'm driving the bus, and I'm knocking. Anyway, thank you for that. Much appreciated. One of my good guys, Jeff King, says, Dan, the Notre Dame-Niagara on Monday night and Indiana versus Gulf Coast were both busts. I'm losing money, Dan. Please help me out. I need a true lock. And don't at me if you don't know. Help me break even before the week. Help me break even before the weekend. By the way, excellent interview with the great Bob Costas. Kudos to your staff for setting up the call, and kudos to you for knocking it out of the park. Look, I'm with you. We're on a, I'm a mush. I'm a mush. In fact, I text my guy. We went 15-1, and one, not this past Saturday, the Saturday before. My guy made about 60 grand. I made about eight. And last weekend, no good. I sent him Omaha Steaks as a thank you. I did for including me in his picks. Now he's gone radio silent. So I sent him yesterday a copy of what a mush is. You remember a mush from Bronx Tale, the guy that was always losing? I think he had a cheese face too. I don't know. I think that's what they said. But the guy was a mush at the craps game. And a racetrack, and every time he showed up, in fact, I think they locked him in the bathroom in a Bronx tail. I said, if I'm the mush, don't respond. I'm good. Don't worry about it. But I take no, I look, Notre Dame, my ass, and Indiana, my ass. I can't help it if Notre Dame gives up a layup with two seconds to go, and I can't help it if Indiana just stunk. Well, then don't bet it. I did win last night. Uh, the road for 100,000 100, went from 1,500 1, back, ladies and gentlemen, to 1,000, but now it's back to 1,400. So yeah, we hit big last night. I can't remember what we hit. Oh yeah, Ohio University at halftime. They were down three. We're like, yeah, Ohio's winning this game. I'll have more for you. Hang in there with me, big boy. Dockets doesn't lose forever. There you go. I don't know that we have any voicemails. Here, put up the graphic. Voicemail and email. I love talking to y'all every day. It's fun. It is. Gritty sent voicemail history yesterday with a great voicemail. But here it is. Write it down. I'll give you a second. 929-687-3941. Outkickdackage at gmail.com. Hey, it's Thursday. When we come back, I got the damn award. I got some good damn awards. I'm all in. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned.
Hey, Mary Ballsmas from our friends at Manscaped. That's right, the holidays are approaching. Give the one you love a little something nice. Hey, what if I told you that the celebrations are approaching? Wait, no, no, I read that wrong. Hang on, caller, let's start again. Whenever I screw up an ad, I want to do it right. Hey, Mary Ballsmas from our friends over at Manscaped. The holidays are approaching. But what if I told you that the celebrations are starting early this year? Yeah! It turns out the perfect gift does exist, and who else to bring it down your chimney than the leaders in below-the-waist grooming? That's right. Keep calm and let your balls jingle this season with Manscaped's brand-new performance package 5.0 Ultra. Think about that. 5.0 Ultra featuring the new lawnmower 5.0. Watch all your wishes and mistletoe kisses come true. Look nice. When you're going naughty, by going to manscaped.com and use code don't at me for 20% off plus free shipping. Unwrap the gift of smoothness this Christmas season with Manscaped. It's a call to action. This is a call to action. I demand you do it. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code don't at me at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code don't at me. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. Boom! Nailed it. When we send the MP3 over, you know it's going to be awesome. Look, if you got an ad, get a hold of our office. I'll do an ad for you. What the hell am I got to do? I got nothing to do but do ads and make greatness happen here at outkick.com. All right. We missed one from my friend Jim Roberts. No, not Jimmy Roberts, the reporter. Jim Roberts has been a follower of this show. And, fellas, put that email up that I missed. Yeah, look, uh, Dan, if one of my old teammates would have went to their mommy crying, he's talking about Caleb Williams, we would have made him an appointment to see an OBGYN. Serious, serious business. Oh, my God. There's a guy that's tried to cancel me. Uh uh, some guy, uh, he didn't like me because I mentioned Dwayne Wade needing an OBGYN. And he made it sound like, well, you're disparaging women. Yeah, I don't want to tell you. Look, what are you going to do? Guys talk. Uh, you know, uh, this guy is like this liberal, you know, guy. And he was trying, he's a writer, and he was trying because I said, like, you know what? Two things. Dwayne Wade needs a trip to the gynecologist and something else I forget. Oh, you're anti-women. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, blow it out your ass. That's kind of my, my motto these days. Blow it out your backside, people. All right, let's go to the damn awards. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da, the D-A-M-A-W-A-R-D-S. Damn awards. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. The studs of the week. You know who they are? C.J. Stroud, hey, I think I may have been wrong. I may have been wrong by saying C.J. Stroud's eyes didn't have it. C.J. Stroud's got everything, 470 passing yards on Sunday. Uh, I don't know, a little 14-1 to one, uh, t- uh, touchdown. I was going to say assist-to-turnover ratio, touchdown-to-interception rate, and he's just getting started. Serious business, what's he got to do? All he's got to do is make Houston a contender, which he's already doing. They're 4-4 four and four in the worst division in football. The Colts stink. They got Gardner Minshew. I will say this. The Jags are pretty good. And, of course, 
the Titans are trying like hell to get this thing right with Will Levis, but you got to pitch in, man, for C.J. Stroud. And then we all know the story of Joshua Dobbs. Josh Dobbs comes over uh, from Arizona where they let him go for some reason, and because he's playing on a team in Minnesota that has real toughness due to the acquisition of Ryan Grigson, he's able to come right in there and win a football game without even practicing or really getting a single rep. It is reminiscent of the last year or maybe the second last year when Grigson was the general manager here in the Indy. They were out of quarterbacks. Luck was hurt. Hasselbeck got hurt. So he signed Ryan Lindley out of a Uber, not a cab, because I'm watching, you know, the uh, Super Pumped, the show on Uber. So not Uber cab, out of an Uber. And then they signed Josh Freeman off his couch, and they ended up winning a football game to go 500 in a season where nobody thought they would go 500. So peace out, yo. Uh, moron of the week, Rashida, I don't even know, Talab. Uh, she's the clown from Dearborn, Michigan, that could not be worse as a human being in our Congress. She is awful. Now, I understand Dearborn, Michigan has a number of Palestinians, so she's representing her group, but her rhetoric of hate against Israel is horrific. She was censored, should be more censored, should be kicked out. It's disgusting that this woman is a leader in our society. I don't know if anybody follows her, but by her job, the letter is simply this. It is simply, or excuse me, by her job, being a leader is the job description. But to be a true leader, you have to have a brain, you have to be open-minded, and you can't be like that other woman, Oman, whatever uh, her name is from Minnesota, that married her brother to get around things. These people are awful. You throw AOC in there, they're ridiculous, they're hideous, they're vicious, they're evil, and they need to go away. Uh, strangest story of the week. Now, there's a lot of strange stories going on, but I got to tell you, this Connor Stallions, man, Blake Quorum, BC2LLC. Blake Quorum, for those of you that don't know, is the stud Mich Michigan running back, BC, Blake Quorum. Guess what? Connor Stallions is a guy that Michigan, in, in page eight of the letter they sent to the Big Ten, says that, well, you know, Connor's gone, so everything is okay now. <laughs> Look, here's the deal. That's the weirdest story. So apparently they had a vacuum cleaner fixing business. You know the old Dyson needs fixed. Let's go to Connor Stallions. He's in there with Blake Quorum. Now, smart, because I'm guessing they were advertising that Blake Quorum was involved in this. So people are like, man, Blake Quorum's going to fix my... Sweeper. Well, Quorum's like, hey, look, I'm a clean guy, but I don't know nothing about cleaning. I don't know nothing about this. This whole thing is weird. This whole thing is wacky. They were good at the job, though, because a guy making less than $50,000 was able to buy a $500,000 house. The American dream is alive and well and living with Jim Harbaugh. All right. Worst week. A lot of people had a bad week. Uh, how about New York Jets fans? No. How about New York Giants fans? The Jets had a bad week, too. Uh, the team is 2-7. and seven. Daniel Jones, they're overpaid, ridiculously paid. Very handsome, though, quarterback, is out. The whole season started with Saquon Barkley 
acting like a little batch. It just goes to show running backs have no impact, no influence. Your quarterback's out. Your team stinks. To make it even worse, and I hate to say this, Tommy DeVito is their starter for the rest of the year. Now, I like Tommy DeVito because my peeps, Jared Shaw, the greatest singer of all time, Jay Shaw 51 is where you can find him, but he hangs around Syracuse. He lives in Syracuse and said DeVito was considered a good guy. Didn't think he was a great quarterback. Didn't think he was an NFL quarterback. In fact, he, I think he was in Illinois, and I think he was worse. Uh, there you go. That's the damn awards. Let's get in the news. I have a favorite of this. Roquan Smith says, man, it makes me so happy just knowing after being traded from the Bears that my career is not going down the drain. Huh. It's pretty crazy thinking back to when I was initially traded. It was bittersweet. Just knowing Chicago, and rightfully so. But if I would have stayed there, honestly... I wouldn't have been able to compete for a title. He's right. Anytime soon. He's right. Man, makes me so happy. Just knowing my career is not going down the drain in the sense of playing somewhere where I am not truly competing for a title. Bears, one time, twice actually, but one time caught real lightning in a bottle went to the Super Bowl, crushed the Patriots, 1985, best defense ever. But 1985 is 40 years ago. They went against the Colts. Uh, You guys don't like Grossman. I like Grossman. Danny Grossman, what's Grossman's first name? I like that kid. I knew him when he was a little kid. He grew up in Bloomington. His dad, Danny Grossman, uh, performed the first RKO surgery, which is now LASIK, on my wife. It was the first one in the state of Indiana. Rex Grossman. Sexy Rexy was that tall, and I liked him. I think he gets a bad rap. There's only been two two quarterbacks, maybe three if you want to count Steve Fuller, Jim McMahon and Rex Grossman, that led the Bears to a Super Bowl. Bears stinks. McCaskey stinks. I don't know what to tell you, but they stinks. All right, Greg Campy, we should get on the show. Greg Campy is one of my favorites. I love Greg Campy. No Greg Campy for 30 years. Greg Campy is not messing around. Greg Campy, let's get him on. Let's see if he'll come on tomorrow. I'll get you his number. I love Campy. He always smells of sausage. At least he did. We used to play Greg, and uh, when I would show up, he would meet me. We'd talk, and he always smelled like he just had a stromboli. I love Campy. Campy married a beautiful woman who runs either she's an anesthesiologist, a doctor, I don't know. She makes like $3 million a year. He's never left Oakland University, which, by the way, is in Rochester, Michigan, which I talked about, a beautiful place to live. Campy's awesome. Campy lives right there. Uh, here's Detroit. Here's Rochester. Ann Arbor's right here. So he's right in the middle of all of this and very respected. Uh, he talked about Michigan. I think one of their frustrations was we knew everything they were going to do. Oh, I could make a comment right now being a, being from Michigan, but I don't think I will. Hey, that's campy on how, on how they may have frustrated Ohio State during Ohio State's narrow win over Oakland. Now, Oakland's beat some good teams. 
We played Campy. I think we were three and one maybe, but he beat us one time at his place, and he took a kid from my high school who kicked our ass. I think one of the frustrations was we knew everything they were going to do. Oh, I can make a comment right now being from Michigan, but I don't think that I will. They scouted. They did a good job. Basketball scouting's easier. Football scouting, you got to hire a guy from the Marines when you're Michigan who goes to games. You budget him for 15K to travel, and you hope he gets all your signs. He does, and you end up beating Ohio State two years when that guy's on staff. Coincidence? I think not. But I love Campy for saying it. Uh, Lane Kiffin chimes in. Lane Kiffin gives his opinion on the Michigan sign steal, says it's a different animal compared to to what other teams do. Here's what Lane had to say. Obviously, they happen in games and coaches talk to each other. But that's all another animal. The accusations there, that would dramatically change how you would perform as a team and dramatically change what your record would be. Hey, look, I don't know any details of it, but those would be severe if they were true. Yeah, look, I listen to Michigan fans. I listen to everybody in the media, and unless you've coached, you just don't understand. I was told yesterday by a very prominent person in the Big Ten that they got the goods big time on Michigan. Michigan's going to get whacked. Also told me that the FBI may be coming in because of the gambling element. I don't buy that one. That one, uh uh-uh. I'm too smart to buy that one. But I do buy that Michigan and the Big Ten are going to have a showdown here. And the Big Ten, according to every coach, and now there's seven that I have talked to, coaches or people involved in the Big Ten, and they've all said the same thing. If what is presented turns out to be true, and they all believe it is, Harbaugh shouldn't be able to coach in the Big Ten again. Just shouldn't. But he's got one of the cash cows, one of the two cash cows, Michigan and Ohio State in football. Look, He's got him in the national championship picture. He'll have him in the final four. But I will say this, and I sort of kind of agree with Kelly in Vegas yesterday. At some point, all this crap wears you down. At some point, it filters into the team. So at some point, it is going to affect their on-field play. Everybody wants to think this is a bonding moment, and it is. But people are smart. Players are smart, and they're not blindly loyal. When I played at Indiana, Coach Knight could have told me to go take a dump in the middle of Assembly Hall and sit in it, and I would have. Players would now say, no. Why? Pay me to do it. Different world. So I guarantee you what Jim Harbaugh has on on his team is some guys that are blindly loyal. Sure seems like J.J. McCarthy is. He's got other guys that are evaluating. And he's got other guys that are happy that Harbaugh is in trouble because you got 100 guys. You ain't keeping them all happy. I forget the coach that said this, but he said something so true. The key to great coaching is keep the guys that are unhappy away from the guys that are happy. And Harbaugh's got it all there. So this will creep in. I'm going to wait until closer to the game Saturday to see who I'm taking, but it will creep in trust me. Hey, uh, now this is the way the world should work. I've told you, I live in a bubble here in Indianapolis. I do. I live in a bubble. I go somewhere. Hey, Dan, how you doing? I'm good. 
uh, here. Uh, you know what? We're going to throw in an extra. They did this yesterday. We're throwing some extra bread. I go, hey, thanks, man. Yeah, I love your show. Wish you were back on radio. I get that a lot. I live in a bubble. Again, 30 Rock. John Hamm was on 30 Rock. Handsome but really stupid doctor. Liz Lemon's dating until she realizes he's too stupid. But he lived in a bubble. Uh, medical school will slide you right through. There's a woman that did that, a blonde girl that Jerry was dating on Seinfeld, lives in a bubble. I live in a bubble here in Indianapolis. See, veterans should live in a bubble. Veterans should get stuff like that. There's a strip joint in Las Vegas that is offering free lap dances to military veterans. See, I believe Vegas should control everything. Vegas should control the NCAA tournament. Vegas should control the seeding of the NCAA tournament. Vegas should control the organizing. Everything about the NCAA tournament should be controlled by Vegas. Everything about the college football playoffs should be controlled by Vegas. Every game should be in Vegas. Every per- Don't tell me about the old coach that's on the committee. Just put it in Vegas's computers. They'll come out with the best four teams, and away we go. The world should be controlled by Vegas. But you are doing your part, strip joint girl. And again, I'm not strip joint guy. I'm just not. I went to a strip joint last about six years ago on a birthday of one of my buddies that we played fast pitch softball with. I liked it. I didn't care about the girls dancing. There were some biggins in PTs on Shadeland or whatever, Pendleton Pike. There were some big floppy just, you know. But the chairs were comfortable. The drinks were good. And I'm a stripper repellent. I told the wife of one of the guys we were with, I go, look, if you don't want your husband getting hit on by strippers, have him sit by me. I'm a stripper repellent. I look too earnest. But anyway, so Vegas, you're doing good. You're doing God's work. They come over. They're, you know, horny. They put their lives on the line. Give them a good lap dance. Give them a little squeezer. See what's going on here. Figure it out, Vegas, like you always do. NCAA tournament. We don't need that committee. We don't need Jim Nance waxing philosophic about a bunch of white dudes led by Chris Reynolds. Uh, he was black, by the way, uh, as, the, as the leader of the committee. We don't need a bunch of white dudes sitting around looking all pensive. They'll know their ass from third base. Send it all to Vegas. Run it through the algorithms. Let them set up the tournament. Let Vegas set up the reward for veterans. Doesn't have to be strippers. It can be a nice dinner. A little something at Circus Circus. Great steakhouse there. Hey, maybe a night at a show. Vegas, you set it up. You'll knock it out of the park. I am all in. I got a nose thing going when I'm down here. Anyway, all right. Let's woke it and dope it, people. And then I'll have a bet for you coming up here that I think, I, don't, I never say lock. I'm not going to say lock. No. Uh, what I'm telling you is I'm going to say this is what I'm betting. And I don't bet it because I, I think I'm going to lose. I bet it because I've looked at it, I've studied it, and I really like it. People that use the word lock are stupid. Boom. Woke and dope. Oh, you're not kidding. Hey, Gritty. Hey, Van Pasterman. I'm not sure how many of you guys and gals on our YouTube chat shop, but the other day I went, holy hell, Bionomics, or however you say it, can put a big, fat, lipstick smooch right on my backside. You know, 
Diet A and W was always six ninety nine. Diet A and W is like ten bucks. Everything that you shop for, that I shop for, my shopping list with Lee, it's just us. It's very, very simple. Grab some lunch meat. I like a nice Swiss cheese. Give me some Diet A and W. Give me some Diet 7-Up. Throw a couple bottles of Miomi in there. I love fruit. Give me all the fruit that you can. Hey, she likes iced tea. We go get Milo's fat, uh, sugar-free and caffeine-free iced tea. Milo's is great. You need eggs. I like, because, well, I'm dieting, I like carb-free Breyers ice cream. And that's kind of it. I mean, there's other things. I like coffee. We get coffee. You know, you get other stuff. But I got to tell you, every single thing that we bought or I bought the other day that I just mentioned used to be a price, whatever that price is, it is now 10 bucks. It is stupid how expensive it is to go shopping. It is idiotic that we are going to do it again. We are going to elect a dumbass named Joe Biden again. It is unbelievable. Vivek Ramaswamy called the entire thing out last night. I got to tell you, as I sit here right now, I am voting for Ramaswamy. Now, I'm going to keep you abreast of what I think, but Ramaswamy called out the Republicans. He made something really smart. He said something really smart yesterday. He's like, hey, you, lady, Welker lady, you're horrible. You're the one that floated. It's a conspiracy theory about Hillary Clinton. You answer. All right, I got to get into this for a second. So Ramaswamy, if you haven't seen it, goes on this incredible diatribe, incredible, where he puts it back on Kristen or Kirsten or whatever the hell her name is, Welker. Now, she's smiling like the smug, freaking entitled diversity hire that she is. All right, fine. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, she's a stone idiot. And I love the fact that Ramaswamy looked at the other diversity hire, Lester Holt, and put it on them both. Said, answer me this. Why are these moderators here? Why did you, Kristen Welker, why did you float the Hillary Clinton conspiracy theory? Why did you guys at NBC News keep telling us that the Hunter Biden laptop story was fake? And he said, go. They, Kristen Walker, diversity hire, and Lester Holt, always been an idiot, going back to the time he was in Chicago and I watched him. They had nothing. They tried to move it along, and they went to DeSantis. But DeSantis has no feel. You got to have feel. He had no feel whatsoever. DeSantis should say, uh, yes. When, you, when they asked him a question, I think they went to DeSantis, he should have said, hold on. Thank you for the question, but I would prefer you answer his question. Now, politicians are too stupid and insecure. I would have said, look, here's the deal. Uh, Vivek just gave you a great question. You did float this. You did do this. I am using my time. So why don't you two answer the question? And Ramaswamy said something even more brilliant. He said, why do we as Republicans have these far left crazy people, Holt and Welker, moderating our debate? If I were the head of the Republican committee and Ramaswamy said this, I'd have Joe Rogan, maybe Greg Gutfield. I would have uh, Cooper, whatever his name is. Who's the most popular guy now? He just got fired and now he's killing it. He's killing it. 
Carson, what's his name? Help me out here, fellas. He just got fired from Fox, and now he's on TikTok, and he's the most famous political guy out there, and his name is escaping me. Anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Why would you not do that? But instead, you've got these people that have pushed far-left agendas, and they're only diversity hires. You can't tell me that that woman and Lester Holden are the smartest people and should be on the news. They're idiots. They're in pocket. But Ramaswamy's a damn genius. Tucker Carlson, Jesus, what an idiot I am. I'm sorry, I lost train of thought. But anyway, long story short, Ramaswamy gets my vote right now. These other idiots, and I can't imagine, I cannot imagine that Donald Trump is going to be able to run or, or be able to get elected with 91 counts of something. I don't know. Next! Crazy. Crazy. The world is crazy. We got no next? I thought we had a couple woke dopes. It's not really complicated anymore. Peace, war. That is true. That is true. That is very, very true. Look, this isn't an opinion. It's the record. When Trump was in charge, we had no wars. We had no World War III. Hillary's fat ass is out there. She looks like Madeleine Albright now, by the way. She's out there saying, if Trump gets elected, it's going to be the end of our country and democracy. That's just a talking point. That fat-ass Madeleine Albright-looking women and men are going to say, she's horrible. She's awful. Look, stop with the talking points and talk to real Americans. Joe Biden's still telling us that we're all going to die this winter. Joe Biden is still telling us about, you know what? Just a little breathing room, my dad used to say. I don't even know if he had a dad. Next! Man. Tell you what, I'm not only smart, but I'm street smart. Oh, yeah? You are street smart, you fool. You're Sesame Street smart. I got to tell you, I guarantee you this is AOC. She's hot, and then when you get to look at her or when you get to know her, she's like what they say about every hot woman and guy in a bar. Someone's tired of stooping her. Guarantee you, she's that woman that you're like, hey, Fellas, here's the deal. Uh, I can't date her no more. I cannot date her. Can't do it. No. Here's the deal. Last thing. I got a text yesterday. I got a text yesterday from Matt Canada. Matt Canada is the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Matt Canada is under siege. Uh, yeah. Well, Matt Canada and I talked on the phone yesterday about his friend, Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith, and I'm going to pub the hell out of this, and I may not do it here. I don't know what the rules are, but I'm here to help people. Bobby Smith, not Jimmy Smith, was an athlete. Grew up in New Palestine, Indiana. Bo Bobby got an infection. Bobby's going to die. Played basketball at Valdosta State. Coached basketball around here took pictures to make some extra money, and he's got a couple kids. But I'm getting goosebumps. I know who this is. I don't know him, but I know who this is. The antibiotics that they gave him really have messed up his brain, but they've run his course so he can communicate now. Was able to talk to him. Wants to set up a scholarship fund for his boys versus GoFundMe. Are you okay if I send a text with you and Bobby on it so he or his wife can get you? I'm heading out to practice soon. Fired up, he came out of it. Doesn't change the result, but he'll get some, I'm getting goosebumps, but he'll get closure with the boys. 
I will be flying in after the game Sunday to see him as long as things hold up. Thanks again. Matt Canada's a good dude. Yeah, I don't give a shit what you Pittsburgh pop. I think they're like 17-5 and five in their last 22 games. Shut the hell up, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, and support Matt Canada. Support what Matt Canada is doing for Bobby Smith. These are the things that make me jack blank crazy about fans and fanboys. They want everybody fired because what? You're not winning by enough? And when the media gets on the bandwagon, those jackass, adulterous punks like we have here in Greg Doyle of the Indy Star, it gets even worse. Bobby Smith played wheelchair basketball for the Pacers in the mid-90s uh, and mid-2000s. We're going to help Bobby Smith. We're, you're going to get Bobby Smith's information, and we're going to set up, and we are going to get a great scholarship fund for Bobby Smith. Have a great afternoon, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. I think we got Kermit Washington. He of the famous punch of Rudy Tomjanovich on tomorrow. See you.